Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. One thing before we start the show. I want to let you know about a special interview you'll hear at the end of this episode. It's with the host of a brand new podcast called Art Architects, the architects of art. The cool thing is this show is hosted by Director X and Taj Critchlow, two of the biggest music video directors on the planet. These guys are responsible for game-changing videos from artists like Drake and Coldplay and Kendrick Lamar and so many more. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. I sure did. That's coming up at the end of this episode. All right, let's get on with things. What do you do for fun? You know, hobbies, pastimes, things that you do just for you, away from your job and all your other responsibilities. Let's see, I got uh, got my dogs. Uh, my wife and I like to travel. And I've always had this thing about the JFK assassination. I've read all the books, seen all the documentaries. I've even been to Dallas and the Grassy Knoll and the Book Depository. Can't explain it. I just find it all very interesting. Maybe you're into sports or collecting hockey cards or wine or rare scotch. Video games, Japanese anime, beanie babies, comic books, souvenir spoons. No need to justify anything. It's just something that you enjoy doing for you. It fulfills you somehow. Now consider this. When we think of our favorite musicians, we probably imagine them being immersed in music all the time. I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All they do is think about music and make music. The truth is, you can't do that. No one can. Everybody needs a break from whatever it is that they do. You got to rest the brain, recharge, and go on a search for new inspiration. Put down the instruments and see what else is out there. Become a more rounded person. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is, look, uh, I've had some success. I've made some money. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to indulge in those things that I've always dreamed of. You can't take it with you, so spend some of that cash. All right, so on like what? Well, I think you might be surprised. Let's take a look at the hobbies and non-musical passions of some very famous musicians. This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and this is one of those fun episodes where we look into the lives of famous rock stars. Not in any intrusive way, but in a manner that makes them more, well, human, more relatable. Almost everybody has some kind of hobby, a distraction, a passion that they call all their own. And sometimes a person's hobby will tell you something about them that surprises us. So I've put together a list of more than 60 rock stars and their hobbies. There's a lot of information coming your way, all delivered without judgment. And here we go, starting with 
knitting. Yes, knitting. Knitting is an age-old pastime that not only results in socks, sweaters, and scarves, but it can also be very relaxing. Plus, it's good for finger dexterity, which is helpful for virtually every musician. Kelly Deal of The Breeders is really good at it. She actually has an online store where she sells scarves. All are one-of-a-kind, handmade by her, and signed. Some are knitted, while others are made from recycled felt and wool sweaters. They run about 100 bucks each. Lily Allen, the British singer, not only knits, but is deep into embroidery. Her stuff can be found all over Pinterest. This is a bit of a detour, but Jazz Domino Holly, the daughter of The Clash's Joe Strummer, is very crafty. Not only is she a knitter, but she makes duvets, cooks, and is an avid gardener. She even put out a handbook on those subjects. And Rivers Cuomo of Weezer was a knitter. Things began when he got into meditation in the mid-aughts. That led to doing clay sculptures, whittling, and then knitting. It was something to do in bed while his wife read Sherlock Holmes mysteries. He says he doesn't have much time for it anymore because he's always working, but uh, there must be some interesting stuff around the house. You can see how martial arts might be of interest to certain types of musicians. Dave Mustaine of Megadeth is really deep into this. His passion is jiu-jitsu. In January 2021, he earned a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the age of 58, which puts him in the middle of the pack. Next up is a brown belt. He's working on that, followed by various degrees of black. Suffice it to say that he can kick just about anyone's ass. And I guess we can segue from that into professional wrestling. This is where we find Billy Corgan. His involvement started in 2001 when he went to an ECW card and got to hit one of the wrestlers in the head with a guitar after being insulted. Ten years later, he founded his own pro league called Pro Resistance Wrestling. That evolved into work with Nonstop Action Wrestling in 2015. In fact, he became the president, there, Vince McMahon, in 2016. And then he left that league and bought the National Wrestling Alliance in 2017, where he also serves as president. That's one of the oldest pro wrestling leagues in the world, having been around since 1948. So Billy basically brought the NWA back from the dead. And if you're not into the WWE, it's a pretty good alternative. Here are a few more non-musical passions of musicians. Bob Dylan is into sculpting. One of his favorite mediums is metal, so he's a pretty fair welder. Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden was so into airplanes that he's now a fully qualified airline pilot, rated to fly 747s. In fact, he also runs his own aircraft maintenance and pilot training facility called Cardiff Aviation. Gary Newman also wanted to be a professional pilot, but he says that music got in the way, at least at first. He's now both a stunt and test pilot. Aerobatics, flight formations, flying vintage World War II planes. He did give it up for a while, though, because he lost some friends to accidents, crashes. And this brings me to Dexter Holland of The Offspring. He has a lot of outside interests. First, he has a PhD in microbiology. His 2017 thesis was on HIV research. And his paper was called, this takes a big breath, Discovery of Mature Micronal Sequences Within the Protein-Coding Regions of Global HIV-1 Genomes, Predictions of Novel Mechanisms for Viral Infection and Pathogenicity. So you want to know why the offspring went so long between albums? There you go. He was working on his PhD. Dexter is also a connoisseur of hot sauces. He has a line called Gringo Bandito, which is actually pretty good. But back to aviation. He's rated to fly executive jets. He got his pilot's license in 1996. 
And he always had this thing about flying around the world. So in late 2004, he did it. He took a twin engine Cessna Citation solo around the world, 25,000 miles in 10 days, existing on, he says, Doritos and beef jerky. At one point, Dexter owned three planes, but two got repossessed and he was sued over payment arrears for another, but then he sold off some of the offspring's publishing money, which took care of all that debt. And now he's free to fly wherever he wants. Moving on to more non-musical passions of rock stars. Slash of Guns N' Roses really likes his vintage pinball games. He collects them. Trent Reznor is into something similar, vintage arcade games. Model trains are a big passion. Neil Young, Rod Stewart, and get this, Frank Sinatra all love their model trains. Fishing is relaxing. Dean Ween of the band Ween is into that, while Roger Daltrey of The Who has taken it one step further. He's a trout farmer in his spare time. Hey, what about uh, ping pong? Well, I can tell you that Prince was really into ping pong. He could destroy just about anyone. I would have loved to see him play Blur's Damon Albarn. He's a ping pong fanatic too. And speaking of Blur, bass player Alex James has achieved international acclaim as a cheesemaker. After Blur started making big money, he moved to the countryside, bought himself a farmhouse on 200 acres, covered in hundreds of sheep and cows, and turned the whole thing into a cheesemaking operation. It's, it's really good stuff, too. It's won all kinds of awards. It's in all kinds of British supermarkets. And one of the most popular is called Blue Monday, which is named after the New Order song. It's a creamy Shropshire blue cheese. There are also varieties with names like Queen Maud, Rotten Bastard, and Mad Bitch. Alex is so good at cheese that he has been a judge in cheese competitions. He wrote a couple of books on cheese, including one called All Cheeses Great and Small. And even the royal family is said to enjoy the products of his farm in the Cotswolds. Before we leave Blur, it's worth mentioning that everybody in the band is into space exploration. In 2003, the band composed a call sign for a Martian probe called Beagle 2. When the probe landed, it was supposed to broadcast a special instrumental composed by Blur to tell everyone back on Earth that things were safe and sound and operational. It was a nine-note composition loosely based on the Fibonacci sequence. But unfortunately, something went wrong and Beagle 2 was lost. We never heard that little ditty from Blur. But Later, it was speculated that Beagle 2 did survive the landing and did play the Blur song, but because it was so damaged, the antenna was pointed in the wrong direction and uh, no one back home got to hear it. If they did, it would have sounded something like this. It's called Far Out. Oh, poor Beagle 2. Finally, to wrap this up, Blur drummer David Roundtree has his own telescope, and he spends hours looking up at the night sky. Oh, wait, I should mention this, too. Queen guitarist Brian May is a full-blown astrophysicist. His PhD was entitled A Survey of Radio Velocities in the Zodiacal Dust Cloud. It runs 256 pages, in case you want to read it. Here's a list of more rock star hobbies. Getty Lee is a baseball fanatic. 
For a while, he collected autographed baseballs from the old Negro League. He had more than 200 before he donated them to the Negro Baseball League musician in Kansas City. Taylor Swift makes her own snow globes. Wynn Butler of Arcade Fire is well known for his basketball abilities. Brody Dahl of the Distillers and the ex-Mrs. Josh Homme once told me that she was a junkie for anything to do with the Kennedy assassination, so we had lots to talk about. Courtney Love collects dolls with an emphasis on Mattel's Little Kitties. Meanwhile, Kurt Cobain used to collect old medical appliances. Bit weird, but okay, whatever. When she's not making music, Erica Badu works as a midwife. Super producer Brian Eno has been very upfront about his collection of vintage porn. And how about chess? Well, you would figure that with so much time spent on the road, many artists would get into chess as a distraction, a way to pass the time. That was certainly the case with David Bowie. Bono likes to play. Madonna is a chess fan. And you might find this as something of a surprise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Another guy deep into playing chess is Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he is good. Back in about 2011, he faced off against a recognized chess master, a Norwegian world champion who went unnamed, and apparently acquitted himself very, very well. Someone had called him a rook star. More of our explanation of rock star hobbies coming up. We're pulling back the curtain on famous musicians to see what kinds of non-musical things they like to do in their spare time. You probably won't find it much of a surprise that several performers are big into comic books, not collecting them, but creating them. When Lights released her Skin and Earth album in 2017, it came from a comic book of the same name that extended over six issues. It was released in paperback form in the spring of 2018. She's a lifelong fan of comic books, and had wanted to create some kind of crossover project between music and comics for a long time. Her dream is to draw for Wonder Woman one day. Claudio Sanchez is the lead singer and guitarist for Coheed and Cambria. He started in the world of comic books in 2008 with two issues of something called The Bag Online Adventures. Then he moved to graphic novels, the most popular of which is a sci-fi series called The Armory Wars. This tells the story of 78 planets, of Heaven's Fence, and the keywork, the energy beams that hold everything together. It's all very complex and intricate. Then we have Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance. He started his first comic when he was just 16. It was called On Raven's Wings, and actually had two issues published. By 2001, he was interning as a sketch artist at the Cartoon Network in New York. He pitched an animated TV series called The Breakfast Monkey, but that went nowhere. But then 9-11 happened, and he was right there for it. The experience of living through that saw him decide to ditch the animation job and try music. 
And that led to the formation of My Chemical Romance, which worked out pretty well. So in 2007, he had some time and began work on a new miniseries called The Umbrella Academy. It became a big success, won some awards, and was eventually turned into a popular series on Netflix. And in between, he got a job working with the Marvel Universe on Spider-Man. It was Gerard Way that created the character of Penny Parker. Pretty cool, right? There's something about musicians and wine. So many of them not only collect wine, but have their own vineyards. Here's a list. Dave Matthews has Blenheim Vineyards in Virginia. Les Claypool of Primus has Claypool Cellars in Sonoma County, California. Their tagline is, fancy booze for semi-fancy folks. Sting has an estate winery in Italy. The place has been growing grapes since the 1500s. Gerard Casale of Devo has the 50 by 50 vineyard in California. And when Dave Mustaine isn't working on his jiu-jitsu, he's supervising Mustaine Vineyards, also in California. Then we have Sigurd Wangrabbit, who plays in the Norwegian black metal band Satyricon. He's involved in a vineyard in Italy. I guess we can include Dan Aykroyd in here. I mean, he was part of the Blues Brothers, after all. He has Dan Aykroyd Wines in Ontario. Madonna has Ciccone Vineyard and Winery in Michigan, which she set up with her father. Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac, Jonathan Kane of Journey, Mick Hutnell of Simply Red, Vince Neal from Motley Crue, Olivia Newton-John, Boz Skeggs, the guys in the band Train, the Tragically Hip, and Blue Rodeo all have arrangements with vineyards. And then there's Maynard James Keenan of Tool. He owns the award-winning Caduceus Cellars in Verde Valley, Arizona. I've had some of his stuff, and it is very good. He also owns another vineyard called Merkin, which is also in Arizona. I had a chance to speak to Maynard about his wine obsession. And he will go on and on and on and on about this stuff. He really, really, really likes wine. Let's go through some more rock star hobbies. It's well known that Eddie Vedder has a passion for surfing. It almost killed him a couple of times when he encountered some riptides. David Usher of Moist is a big fan of technology. In fact, he has a second career working with artificial intelligence. Brian Adams has turned his love of photography into something that even had him take portraits of the Queen. Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie is a thing for long-distance running. Oh, one thing that we haven't discussed are rock stars who have used their riches to indulge in their love of cars. If I were a rich rock star, this is exactly how I would spend all my excess money. Here's a list of people who have done just that. We'll start with Brian Johnson of ACDC. He's a massive car guy. I spoke to him about one in particular. But one last question. This is for Brian. Um, what are you driving right now? What's your latest car? T- today, I've been driving around in uh, my Morgan three-wheeler. No, you have one of those. I do have one of them. It's a lot of fun. And it's made of wood. Uh, well, bits of it. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it, it's... Uh, uh, aluminum, uh, aluminium, you know, whatever, whatever the word you use now. <laughs> but it, now it's fun. I just have a bit of fun driving up with that. He has about two dozen cars in his collection, including a 1965 Lola T50 Mark I. Only 15 of them were ever built. There's a Ferrari, a Jag, a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, including one from 1928. A big boss Mustang, a couple of Range Rovers, and a weird 1973 Citroen. I would love to play in Nick Mason's garage. 
the Pink Floyd drummer, is an expert, and I mean expert, on Ferraris to the point where he's even written a book about them. Naturally, he owns one of the rarest and most valuable cars of all time, a Ferrari 250 GTO from 1962. One of those sold for over $50 million. Plus, he has a Ferrari Enzo, another insanely rare car. If you want one today, expect to spend over $3 million for one. Nick has at least 40 cars in his collection, including a McLaren F1, a 1955 Jaguar D-Type, a Bugatti from 1927, and a 1935 Aston Martin. He drives some, races others, and uses a few for just, you know, going down to the pub. The whole collection is worth well over $100 million. Guy Berryman, the bass player for Coldplay, sometimes races under an assumed name. And when it comes to road cars, his collection is a mix of vintage and new. He has a Bugatti Veyron, which retails for well beyond $3 million, a Lamborghini Aventador, good for about a million, a Ferrari F40, a McLaren F1, which about $25 million for one of those, and a couple of Porsches, about 25 cars in total. Rolling Stones drummer Charlie Watts is strictly a vintage guy. His collection includes a 1937 Lagonda Rapide with a V12, only 25 were ever made by Aston Martin. He also has a Citroën de Cheveux and a couple of others. But Charlie doesn't drive any of them because he never bothered to get a driver's license. And then there's Stephen Morris, the drummer for Joy Division and New Order. Uh, what is it about drummers? Stephen likes collecting vehicles too, but he prefers surplus military equipment. This includes a bunch of tank-like vehicles. He's got something called an FV-433 Abbott self-propelled gun. It has a 105-millimeter gun mounted on it. Something like that cost the British Army a million pounds when it was brand new, but when it came up for sale, Stephen bought it for 4,000 pounds. And when he drives around the neighborhood, again, you know, popping down to the shop for a little bit of milk, he drives a Mark IV ferret reconnaissance vehicle. Believe me, when he wants to merge into traffic, he has no problem. Coming up, more hobbies of rock stars, and we're about to get a little bizarre. Yes, a little more weird than collecting tanks. Hang on. We're having a little fun with this episode as we look at rock stars with hobbies. And now we're going to get a little strange. Okay, strange, maybe a harsh word. Um, esoteric, maybe. When the Pixies broke up, drummer David Lovering needed to find a new vocation. And he found it as a magician. Or more specifically, he rebranded himself as the scientific phenomenalist. His act was performing magic tricks based on science and physics. He already knew something about electrical engineering, so this was right up his alley. He joined the Magic Castle, which is a nightclub in L.A. that specialized in magic. After a while, he became part of a trio of performers known as the Unholy Three. And David's thing was showing how strange and wonderful science could be, often with the use of complex machines that he built. He's been back performing with the Pixies since their reunion in 2004, but he still does his magic thing. Poker is a serious hobby for a couple of guys. Sully Erna of Godsmack and Scott Ian of Anthrax both play at a very high level, where the pot reaches high into the six figures. They are genuine poker pros. Then we have Sherry Curry. She was a member of the Runaways back in the day. Her thing is now carving things out of wood using a chainsaw. Carrie King of Slayer collects snakes. Ex-REM drummer Bill Berry quit the band to become a gentleman hay farmer in Georgia. 
Still with agriculture, Jim Martin, who used to be a member of Faith No More, is one of the greatest growers of champion pumpkins in all the United States. When Lemmy of Motorhead was alive, he was known for his collection of actual Nazi memorabilia. Okay, that's not entirely accurate. He collected material from all the Axis countries of World War II. So Germany, yes, but also Hungary, Italy, and so on. And then there's Metallica guitarist Kirk Hammett. One of your absolute utter obsessions, which is old horror movie posters and memorabilia. How did you get into something like this? Because your, your collection is one of the most comprehensive in the world, I, I understand. Yes, yes. Well, it was something that I've been into. Well, horror movies and the horror movie genre is something I've been into ever since I was a, a child, ever since I was like five or six years old. And it was something that I was attracted to initially because it was just so different and had a different sort of feel and atmosphere to a, a lot of the culture I was getting at the time. As a five and six, five or six year old, you know that would have entailed like a lot of like Disney Disney movies and cartoons and, and so this and, is and the sixties, right? This is like yeah, the late late sixties, early seventies. And so when I saw I saw the first my first horror movie, I thought, wow, this is a different type of movie, a different type of story. And I really really latched on to it, and and kind of pursued a, a more of that kind of story. And it was through comic books and, and, and magazines and movies and books and just um, anything that, that had that kind of like horror uh, uh, affiliation. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was attracted to, and um, it never really died out. <laughs> do, do you remember that first horror movie? Yeah, it was a, a, a movie called Day of the Triffids. Oh, from '56. Uh, I'm not sure what year it is. From yeah, probably late '50s or early '60s. Yeah. Kirk's collection is so special that it tours museums around the world. It is spectacular and very valuable. We're not quite done with our list of rock star hobbies. Here's one last blast. If you know anything about Jack White, you'll know that he loves to upholster furniture. In fact, he was an apprentice opposed to her before he broke into the music business. He was even in a band with his boss. You know what they were called? The Upholsterers. They even recorded an album. Jack has also taken up taxidermy, which I guess is a little bit of a leap from upholstery, or maybe not. So if you want to get that squirrel stuffed, you know where to go. We know about ex-Blink-182 guitarist Tom DeLonge and his UFO obsession. In fact, part of the reason he quit the band was so he could pursue this full-time. And what you may not know is that the British singer Robbie Williams is also very much into UFO research. And I'd like to finish this list with rock stars who love animals. Sure, we could mention Freddie Mercury, who is nuts about his cats. He'd often phone home from the road just to talk to them. Seriously. But uh, I'd rather talk about guitarist Steve Vai. He's a beekeeper. It's not terribly well known, but Matt Bellamy of Muse is really into sheep farming. He has nearly 200 sheep. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a shepherd. Terminator X of Public Enemy has an ostrich farm in rural North Carolina. And finally, when he's not doing soundtracks or being with Radiohead, Johnny Greenwood breeds chickens. Again, like I said at the beginning, it's important to have a hobby. You need something outside of work and all your other obligations, something that's just for you, something that stimulates or soothes you in a different way. 
Hobbies help you recharge and discover different types of joy. It's just that when you're a rock star, you might have a little more money to indulge in those pursuits. And uh, hey, why not? You work for it, right? If you're looking for music news and information on a daily basis, please try my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated all the time. There's a free newsletter that goes with it. You should sign up. We can meet up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm always doing things there. And finally, all these shows are available as podcasts. They're all free and very bingeable. Get as many as you can from whatever podcast platform you choose. Technical production for all this is by Rob Johnston. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Before we leave today's Ongoing History of New Music podcast, uh, I want you to know that we're part of a network called Curious Cast. And Curious Cast has a lot of podcasts available on its network. And one of the new ones is called Art And I have two of the hosts of Art with me here. Uh, we have Taj Krishlow and Director X. And we want to give you a bit of a, an introduction to what this new podcast is all about. So who wants to go first? And explain exactly what you guys will be doing. And obviously, here's a hint. If you're at the end of this podcast, my podcast, Chance Start has something to do with music. So our show is pretty much about, it's in the world of music. It's pretty much us sitting down with uh, storytellers that come from music videos. Uh, I feel like we live in a world where we don't give these, these amazing creative uh, artists uh, the flowers they deserve. They create some of the most uh, impactful uh, content on the planet that gets a lot of eyeballs on it. And coming from the world of music video, being in the business for over 20 years, we felt it was necessary to create a show like Architects to sit down and hear their stories, their come ups, their journey, their process of creating some of the most iconic music videos, films, and content on the planet. Now, you guys have been deeply involved in this world for, like you say, a long time. Who have you worked with? I've directed videos for Alicia Keys, Puff Daddy, Cisco, uh, uh, Destiny's Child, Drake, Justin Bieber, Two Chains, Rosalia, Iggy Azalea, Sean Paul, Beanie Man, um, Ariana Grande. Uh, well, you know. Okay, uh, now, now now you're just bragging. <laughs> <laughs> Corn, John Mayer, the list goes on. Like we, this has literally been um, a crazy journey, and and I would say X is the goat because as long as he's been doing it, like like late '90s to now, it's still relevant. You know, like we broke our our production company fella with uh, this music video for uh, for DJ Khaled, Drake, and Bieber called Popstar. So it's 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 been a crazy journey, and um, and we're two kids from Brampton, Ontario that uh, went out to, you know, make art that broke out to the world. And now we're using our podcast as another form of storytelling, but through an audio uh, medium. Okay. How are you going to make that transition? You've been telling stories through video. Now it's going to be only audio. So uh, you're going to have to change your style a little bit, I guess. I mean, we're talking to the creator, so it's a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, the, the story is the story of the maker. So it's not, it's 
conceptualizing music and visuals to it. It's talking like the last, the first podcast, the debut of our, of the show was with Dave Myers. Um, another guy that's been in the game for a long, long time. And just talking about that, the philosophy behind his approach to art, the work he's done. And, you know, as well, digging into some of the larger world issues out there. Like we have a whole talk about black lives matter. Uh, on that podcast and being a white director and his perspective coming up in a black music, uh, world. So it's just a, it's a little different than what we're used to doing. Without any spoilers, give me the kind of stories that you'll be telling. Give me an example of a story. I guess the examples is pretty much their come up. Um, what they, what gravity, what, what drew them in to get into this world of, uh, filmmaking, um, their influences, um, their highs, their lows, and pretty much their breakthrough moment. And, and a lot of times to your point, um, Alan, like when you watch a music video, you're just seeing the end result, but you don't see what, what went into to make that product. And, and that, that piece of art affair is the storyboards and the, the art direction and sitting down with your head department and the collaboration. So it's pretty much, we're, we're, we're giving them that kind of, you know, close set behind experience where you get to see the process of how uh, we get to the finish line. Right. I've, I've always, I've often watched music videos and wondered where the hell did this come from? What kind of <laughs> headspace do you have to be in to come up with these images, these storylines, these, you know, things. Uh, and, and I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's and that's the point of the show. Like, look, we're probably like around the same age. Like I came up I came up in the 80s era where that's what made me fall in love with music videos. Right. The MTV much music era watching videos by like Madonna and Peter Gabriel and like Phil Collins and, and Michael Jackson and uh, uh, and Aerosmith. And I was always fascinated by music videos and the storytelling and the dancing and the style and all that stuff. And that's what got, that's what made us fall in love with the art. So imagine if you could go back in the days and sit down with Duran Duran and talk about the hungry, like a wolf video, like what the hell compelled you guys being this jungle and, and, and just going through this crazy, crazy story and sitting down with like the best of the best and hearing their, the stories of the directors working with Madonna and working with the stones. And that's the beauty about the show. It's like, we get that access to these filmmakers, to these artists. I've worked with the biggest and brightest artists in the entertainment business, but learn about that journey, that creative journey, that collaboration to make the work that we see that's now on television or on YouTube. And, and before we jump, I just want to say, please follow us at architects pods. Uh, I can't wait for this. Sounds like a great series. Looking forward to it. It's called Art Catex with Karina Evans, Tash Critchlow, and Director X. And uh, I can't wait to hear some of these stories. Thank you so much, you guys. All right.